right, but we're in lesson six today, and his lesson, uh, this entire series of lessons is on some aspect of the Holy Spirit. And this is such an important and valuable lesson, uh, valuable, important series, uh, because um, one, the Holy Spirit never speaks of himself, right? The one that's lifting up the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ. And, um, of course, the Apostle Paul devotes much time to the work of the Holy Spirit. But this is important. If we're going to grow, if we're going to mature, if we're going to be an effective, fruitful Christian, it cannot be through our own strength. It must be, it, we must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And um, last week, um, we uh, talked about uh, God helping us know his will and do his will today we're in his uh this is the his separating ministry he has a part in that and so uh let's just take the time to read ephesians chapter 5 verses 8 through 17 we will come back to these verses in part throughout the lesson uh but i think we need this as our introduction paul writes to the church at ephesus for ye were sometimes darkness But now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is, mark these three things, goodness and righteousness and truth. Those will be key points in our outline today. The fruit of the Spirit. Elsewhere, we are told, of course, what the fruit of the Spirit is. Uh, But these are three specifics that Paul is emphasizing. Uh, These are obvious evidence of the Spirit, Holy Spirit in your life, goodness and righteousness and truth and proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And so we'll be looking at this in in much greater detail as we go along. Uh, and I think the, the overview is in your lesson, um, but today's lesson is, as your lesson says, one of the most uh, practical ministries of the Holy Spirit, and that is providing guidance for our journey and discernment for our decisions. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, in the early days when I was in Bible college and I would watch godly men uh, when they were... Um, confronted with some uh, serious things, doctrinal things, I was amazed at how quickly they identified something as wrong. It was wrong, and they would proclaim against it. And I thought, boy, I, I would like to have that kind of knowledge. I would like to have that kind of discernment. We all can. We all can have that kind of discernment. And so that's what this lesson is about. The Holy Spirit wants to guide your life. He wants to guide your, your direction 
and he wants to give you discernment so you can be more effective. And uh, you'll notice in your lesson aim, some people think uh, discernment for life's decisions, that ability to determine right and wrong uh, is maybe some kind of a supernatural intuition, but no, it's the power of, that the Holy Spirit gives every Christian to discern. And God desires for you to walk with discernment, and he provides the resources to make it possible. Have you ever heard anybody say, uh, so-and-so would never do anything like that? Have you heard that? I know you have. No, this, that they would never do something like that. I will never believe they did such and such. All right, they've established um, that characteristic and, and that's their pattern. Perhaps it's their personal conviction about something and they would never violate uh, that kind of a thing. And so we wanna have that ability in our lives. And so uh, we read our, our text, our text verse, but um, we want to uh, be able to be led by the Holy Spirit. As I was looking at the, the notes here, I immediately thought of my experience, or my wife and my experience in raising our children and uh, our grandchildren, teaching them to walk with us. All right, sometimes they wanna bolt away and run ahead of us, and, um, and so we spent a lot of time teaching them, don't do that. All right, you've got to look both ways. Don't run out into the street. Don't run towards the street. You know, when we go shopping, you've got to stay right here with us. Don't, don't run away. I remember one day we were shopping in a store over here and uh, all of a sudden we couldn't find our daughter. We were looking around. Well, she had gone into the center of one of those circular racks that had clothes all around it and she was inside having a great time. Um, that maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you do that. I don't know. But um, she w uh, that's where she was, and it, it really gave us a start. And, and so we've always been uh, trying to be very careful in training a child to be alert, um, to use wisdom, to think before you do something. Think before you do something. And uh, I, re I, saw, I remember seeing uh, a video of a fella it was a, uh, there was a period of time where people were doing these daring things and they were videotaping it and putting it online. And one fella had a big old thick book and encouraged his girlfriend to shoot through the book. Well, it went through the book and he died. And there was another one I remember watching where he had his girlfriend videotaping him while he leapt over the railing at a mall. And what looked like a floor was actually a ceiling, and he, he fell through the ceiling and fell four floors. And he didn't bounce. Um, but it, it made it online. All She pulls the camera down, where did he go? And then she saw the horrific aspect of it. Um, and so we, we don't want to be like that. We don't want to walk through life making decisions without God's guidance and direction and discernment. And one of the greatest burdens I had as a teacher in our school was how quickly a young person can destroy their future. That was one of the great, heaviest burdens I ever carried was trying to help the, t the students recognize one brainless, thoughtless act 
action and your future is ruined. Maybe even your health. I've never seen, I look at YouTube from time to time and I'm, I'm always taken aback by how many people think they can do a backflip. Uh, if you ever watch any YouTube videos, half the time people are trying to do backflips and they're probably paraplegics by the time that they get done. Uh, but I, what makes people think they can do a backflip unless they're a gymnast or something? Um, many times it's ugly and it doesn't go well. Um, and so I don't want to be like that in my Christian life. I want to be able to be productive. I want to be able to turn around and see as we sing other uh, in some of our songs that there are others following in our footsteps and our footsteps are leading in the right direction. And so this... I want this to be a concern to us as individuals that we are walking with the Lord, we're walking with the Holy Spirit's discernment and the Holy Spirit's guidance and we make wise decisions. One of the first times I ever heard my parents talk about they didn't have peace about something. I remember I, um, I guess I was just getting out of um, uh, elementary school. I guess I was just getting uh, in sixth grade or just getting out of sixth grade, somewhere in that area. And we had been looking at houses for quite some time. And uh, we kind of, I, I, I think they sort of settled on one. I thought they did. And so we were all excited. We went over there. And, um, of course, we sat out in a waiting room or something. And when they came back out, we went and got in the car. And I remember saying, well, when do we move? And and my parents said, well, no, this isn't the house. We don't have peace about this. And I remember saying, what? It's a great house. Why wouldn't you get it? What do you mean you don't have peace? And then I remember my dad um, being invited to different um, businesses where uh, he, he made mattresses for a living and uh, had done it his whole life. And he was sought out by several companies to come, some you would re recognize. He was uh, sought out to, to come and interview. Um, he wasn't seeking the interviews. They were coming to him. And we would go out of town, and he would have his interviews. And I remember he would come back, and uh, we'd be headed back home, and I'd hear those words again. I just don't have peace about it. I don't think that's where God wants me to go. And, and I, it, that was not lost on me. I thought, Dad, you make mattresses, all right? But that's not where God wanted him. And eventually, God did give him a place, and it changed our whole family's life. And it, it was a great and wonderful blessing. And that's how we ended up in Lebanon, Missouri, from Kansas City. We grew up in Kansas City, but ended up in Lebanon, Missouri. And, um, but it was a great, great thing. And so I want us to understand that the Holy Spirit is able to give us guidance. Many of you probably use GPS. You have something like that. I don't know if you've ever had the experience or not, uh, but it, it, we, even driving around in areas of our, of our community around here that have sprung up uh, in the last year or whatever, uh, trying to find an address and all of a sudden the map stops and the car starts just, the, the screen is blank and the car is looking left and the car is looking right, you know, and it's looking back and forth and then you'll see guidance not available. We don't want that in our Christian life. We don't want to get that. 
guidance is always available for the child of God. It's, uh, it's the guiding ministry of the Holy Spirit uh, that is so exciting in, the, in our Christian life. Uh, we never need to be without guidance. The Holy Spirit takes his word and teaches and prompts us uh, in his will for our lives. One of the greatest needs of our lives is spiritual discernment. The book of Proverbs devotes many, many verses to um, having wisdom and being wise. And uh, th that is something that's essential if you're going to be successful in your service for the Lord. And so that's one of our greatest needs. And the Apostle Paul prayed for Christians in Colossae to have God's wisdom and spiritual understanding so that they would know God's and live out the will of God for their lives. And it's in your book, Familiar Verses, Colossians 1.9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Those are very important words. I hope you'll underline some of these so you'll come back and look at it. Um, but we need discernment in so many areas. We need discernment in our families. Uh, we need discernment in our jobs. Uh, we need discernment in the friends we choose. Uh, we need dis uh, discernment in what entertainment uh, we involve ourselves with. And so in this lesson, we're going to focus on three ways that the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom to follow his will. And the first point you see in your book there is the direction of the Lord. The Lord will give direction. And I always think about uh, God calling Abraham to leave your home to a land that I will show you. And if God promised that to Abraham, he's, gonna pro he's promised that to us as well. God has a destination for your life. God has things that he has planned for you to accomplish. He has plans for people he expects you to meet and influence. And so that's what we're talking about right here. Uh, in in um, Acts 26 and verse 18, Paul is standing before Agrippa, and he's giving his testimony to Agrippa. And it did affect Agrippa. Agrippa responded to it, but not positively. All right? But uh, um, Paul is telling him what Jesus told him on the road to Damascus about the ministry God was calling him for, to, to minister to the Gentiles. And so Jesus told him to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul shared those words with Agrippa, and uh, it caused him to tremble. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. This is how God sees the unsaved. From time to time, you'll see articles about celebrities and see photos of them now, and they show you pictures of when they were popular or whatever they were doing at that particular time. And years past, you should see them now. And if you look at those, uh, many would look at them and say, my, they've had a hard life. No, it may not be a hard life. More often, it's something else. 
and God identifies it in Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 18 and 19. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And as I look at some of those celebrities, uh, I'm not being critical, uh, but they, they lived a life of excesses and they are paying the price for it. If they don't receive Christ as Savior, it will be an eternal price. And so <clears throat> God says the unsaved, their understanding is darkened. Ephesians 5.8, for ye were sometimes darkness, that was before you were saved, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. <coughs> Excuse me. And then uh, uh, Colossians 1.13, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now that word translated means it's been picked up from point A and put in point B. All right, so don't go back there, all right? And that's what he's talking about. God's desire is that we walk as children of light. When we received Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit came in, gave us saving faith, and gives us understanding. It gives us enlightenment as we read and study the Word of God. And he wants to help us make the right decisions. So first, we have the light of his, um, his presence isn't that amazing that God himself dwells within our hearts? Isn't that amazing? All right, the light of his presence. I'll try to remember to repeat those. And first, uh, the fact that the Holy Spirit dwells within our lives is, is an amazing thing, inconceivable in many ways, that God would do such a thing. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the natural man, what? Receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. I think I'm going to sneeze. I'll let you know if it happens. <clears throat> because they are spiritually discerned. The unsaved man cannot discern spiritual things. And often if you're talking to someone, maybe you have an opportunity to witness and you're getting... Uh, a, fairly far along in the conversation. And uh, <clears throat> uh, you might say, well, would you believe the Bible? If I read to you what the Bible has to say, would you believe it? And if they would agree that they would believe it, they, may have, they might tell you, well, I've read those verses, but I don't understand them. I don't know what they have to do about me. Um, and so we have to teach them and, and share the gospel with them, to share our light with them. Um, but notice verse 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. This was John's burden. Jo uh, the apostle John was burdened for the people of his day. And the gospel of John is different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. Optic means to see, and sin is means to synthesize or, or to see together. The, and the three Gospels, first three Gospels, are similar. And they view similar events from different perspectives. The Gospel of John is different. And the emphasis in the Gospel of John is that John wants you to know 
that Jesus is the Christ, the promised Messiah, and that he is the Son of God. And you will see the Son of God through the Gospel of John over and over and over again. And John concludes his, um, uh, near the end of his um, Gospel, in John 20, 31, he says, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe and uh, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. This was John's burden. He knew the unsaved were in, in the darkness. They were blinded to spiritual things. They couldn't see what Jesus was doing and what Jesus had done, and that was his burden. And so we call that the natural man, the one that uh, just goes through life according to his own senses and instincts. Just, uh, he, they just move through life and they do what they think is right, but there is no eternal vision uh, for anything that's everlasting. Uh, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence, the, the, the Holy Spirit wants to teach us and guide us. And so that's why Bible study is so important, taking time for the Holy Spirit to emphasize things to you through his word and connect things through his word. So I remember uh, some uh, people say, oh, you write in your Bible? Yeah, I write in my Bible. And uh, I remember I had a particular place open. I, I think I was talking to someone in the prayer room one time and I was sharing verses and, and I turned over and I had drawn, I had circled some words and I had drawn uh, a line from one place to another place because the second place explained the first place. So you draw lines in your Bible? I said, I did. And I said, because these two verses are very important right here, and one explains the other. And, and so I always did try to show that to them as they studied their Bible. It's okay. When you see something that's, that seems like God's emphasizing to you, circle it. Take some pencil and just circle it. So you'll think about it again. You'll come back to it. You'll look for an answer in God's word. And so the light of God's presence is a great blessing. Secondly, the light of his word. The, this is the primary tool that the Holy Spirit uses. Remember, I shared with you last week that the Holy Spirit, if, if he, he speaks to you, it will be very concise. It will be a very um, brief thing. And you'll think, I need to do this, all right? Uh, or if it's you're seeking a direction, you'll have peace as you begin. You take that first step after much prayer. You take that first step, and, and God gives you peace. God, the Holy Spirit, uses his word. It's his primary tool, and it's how we understand the principles of God's word and the basis for God's will. It is never God's desire that any of his children should wander or stumble around in darkness. And Jesus Christ himself came as the light of the world. And of course, he promised all who follow him will have the light of life. Look in John 8, 12. This is his promise. Uh, then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Have you been in a, at a point where uh, you prayed, said, Lord, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I can't see any further ahead. I need your light. I need your guidance. I need your help. 
That's the Holy Spirit's specialty. He uses God's word to reveal that truth to you. And a very familiar uh, verse in, in Psalm 119, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's where you're going to get light and understanding and direction. It will come um, through his word. When we read it, we, uh, the word of God, we must read it, we must study it, we must apply its truth. I always like a reference Bible. That's a Bible that has, uh, maybe it has a center column with le little letters. They put a little letter over a word and you can find that little letter in the center column. Some of the Bibles will put them in the outside columns and you can track a word. Some of the reference Bibles um, will show you the first, first place that word appears in the Bible and it'll take you back there or it will take you to the next reference to that verse or that doctrine uh, there. Very important, very helpful. Um, I also like Bibles that have pronunciation marks, all right? I, boy, I don't even give a second look at a Bible that doesn't have pronunciation marks. Um, but I like pronunciation marks. I wanna try to get it right. Um, but the word of God is so important and it requires that we study it that we read it, that we study it, and we meditate on it, and ultimately apply it. Use it as we make those decisions in life. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit gives us light. What is Satan busy doing? He's going to try to distract you. He's going to try to uh, keep you in blindness. He's going to try to uh, distract your eyes, or maybe even uh, keep uh, keep you uh, away from the truth. He's very busy about that. I thought it was interesting in many of our missions classes when we were in, in Bible college, the ladies would often share with the, the ladies in college saying having personal Bible time was almost impossible uh, because Satan always knew uh, and it interrupted. So they got to the point where they were putting Bibles in different places in their homes. They would put Bibles in different places, maybe up here in the, with the laundry or maybe over here in the cabinet in the kitchen or maybe uh, over here somewhere. And just without, and just randomly they'd grab their Bible and sit down and start studying so that they could get some time in before somebody came knocking on the door uh, to distract their Bible study. And they said it was a real battle. It was a real conflict. Many of us don't, have, don't face that. We're not living in a dark nation. Well, not a very dark nation. Um, and, and so, uh, but we can study. Uh, notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, once again, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Just think about the contrast. Satan's desire is to blind. Satan's desire is to uh, blind the eyes of people while Christ liberates us to see the truth. Satan binds minds in unbelief while the Lord leads um, his children in faith. Look at your, it's in your book in, in uh, Psalm 23 and verse 1. And let me challenge you this as we read it this time. I want you to see these verses in a different light. 
God is our loving, gentle Savior. And I remember when I was growing up in church as a young person, and there were always these pictures of Jesus carrying a lamb, all right? Maybe he was carrying one here, maybe he had one over his shoulders, but I just remember seeing him everywhere and uh, thinking about that. And as I was reading these verses, I recalled those, those pictures of Jesus, the one who would leave the 90 and 9 and go find the one that was astray, and those pictures would come to mind. And so I want you to read these verses again, thinking about the Holy Spirit's desire and ministry to guide and give wise discernment. Uh, Psalm uh, 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a personal relationship. He's my shepherd, and I shall not want. He's never failed me. Uh, the psalmist said, I have been young, but now I'm old. Yet have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He's my shepherd. I hope he's your shepherd, and that he, uh, you shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me besides the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesakes. That's not a metaphor. That's reality. And it needs to be a reality in each of our lives. We need to see that Jesus is our shepherd. And as you read the word of God and you see shepherds and sheep in the word of God, apply it. And think about it. God's desire to uh, lead you, to give you the ability to discern for, uh, uh, and plan for your life and give you principles for living a righteous and holy life. The questions are, am I willing to follow his leadership? Am I actively seeking truth through his word? And am I looking to him for light on the journey? And so if your Bible study has become stale or dry, we need to put more into it and, and pray much as we do and give God, I need direction on certain things. Guide me through your word as you read the word of God. We must apply ourselves to reading his word and listening to his voice. I remember, um, oh, uh, the, the, had the home for the children. Dr. Roloff, thank you, you were no help whatsoever. All right, uh, Dr. Roloff, I remember uh, Dr. Roloff saying, I, I always read the word of God out loud because, um, you know, uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He said, so I read it out loud. I want to hear it while I read it. And uh, so sometimes that you can do that. If you're alone in your own Bible study time, read it out loud. Give the devil a headache. All right. The second way is the protection of the Lord. Not only does he give us um, direction, he gives us protection. As I already said, children are prone to make poor decisions. And so as a parent, we're trying to protect them from the consequences of poor decisions. Well, the Holy Spirit's ministry is to do the very same thing, is to protect us as we grow in the Lord, as we become more familiar with the word of God, as our discernment grows, and as we are making decisions, he's going to protect us. How exactly or specifically does the Holy Spirit protect us as we follow his directions? 
I've already intimated these. Letter A, by the Spirit's prompting. We gave you the example last week of how the Holy Spirit uh, prompted um, Philip uh, to go attach himself to the uh, chariot. Uh, and other uh, times in Scripture, you'll see that the Holy Spirit prompts people in the Word of God and they respond. He's actively at work in the heart of those of us who have given him the liberty within our souls. And so he not only teaches us how to apply his truth, but he prompts our minds and pricks our spirits at the moment of decision. When it's time to apply this, he's going to draw your attention to it. And it's important. In fact, he will give you an assurance. This is the time. Do this now. And he will give your heart a calmness that this is right. I, I need to do this. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9 teaches us that the Holy Spirit prompts in three areas. Oh my goodness. These are the same ones we mentioned earlier. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. I'm glad Paul just emphasized three points right there because that's simple for us to remember and it's simple for us to apply. So the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth. So we're asking him for guidance, and we ask him to help us, direct us in our choices, and I am to consider, is it good, is it righteous, is it true? And that's very simple to do. When we're faced with something new, is it good, is it righteous, is it true? I'm asking myself that question. And as I study that, analyze that, and prove it, and I agree with the Holy Spirit, yes, that's good, that's righteous, and it's truth, then it's settled for me, all right? I won't ever have to address this matter, this question again. It's settled for me. We call that convictions. Now, you know what a conviction is, right? If somebody's proven guilty, all right? Maybe, all right? Uh, conscientious police work, and that, that'll every time, all right? But you've heard people identify these as convictions. Where do they come from? Are they arbitrary? Is it just what they think? It should be the result of study of God's word, answering the question, is this good, is this righteous, is this true? If it's true, then the matter is settled in my life. And this is how we establish convictions and standards in our lives and lines that we purpose we will not cross, all right? And um, you remember Don always would refer to Joseph who wouldn't defile him, or the, the three Hebrew children that wouldn't defile themselves with the king's meat. Um, th that's very, very important. I remember when I first met Dr. Sumter, I caught a phrase uh, very early, and it was, when I got saved, my want to changed. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's our responsibility to study the word of God, to know the word of God, apply the word of God, answer is it good, is it righteous, is it true, then it's settled. We need to have those points of settlement in our lives. And notice in uh, 3 John verse 11, 
Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. B, it's the Holy Spirit's proving. He's going to convince you that something is good, is righteous, and is true. The standard is not your standard. The standard is God's standard. Ephesians 5.10, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Remember, the definition of sin is missing the mark. And so God sets standards. God established truth. God's word is truth. And so the Holy Spirit is proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. It's not by our definition of good. It's by God's definition. And that's the Holy Spirit leading us to understand that is God's truth. And so the word prove doesn't mean to show evidence for, but it means to um, examine and to scrutinize. If you, in some science classes, you begin to do that, or even math classes where you're doing proofs and you're trying to establish, you're examining something, you're scrutinizing it. Uh, but we need God's spirit to discern what is genuine and acceptable and what is not. Do you remember when Jesus was in the temple, he drove out the money changers? Remember that? Well, and he was very angry. Well, let me explain. The money changers in that day and time, and by the way, if you go to the Smithsonian, they have a marvelous nuministic, I guess, display, and they have coins that go way back. But it's fun to go in there and see the coins that were in use during Jesus' earthly ministry. As he describes them, they're there. You're able to see them. That's very interesting. Um, but in that day, they would weigh out the precious metal because the coins were made of precious metal. They were mol they softened, molten, and they were then stamped with um, a stamp that flattened them out to make them a coin, but they had irregular edges. And the unscrupulous money changers would carve those edges off, and now that coin is not the, its true value anymore. And that's what was going on in the temple. Uh, that they were in the temple stealing from people, all right? And so um, there were some who were honest and genuine. And in fact, it was, in fact, if they received a coin that was not the proper weight, they took it out of circulation, sometimes to their own hurt, all right? And the Bible said these men were, um, uh, I'll just tell you what the Greek word means. It means approved. They were approved men, and they were deemed honest and, and uh, trustworthy in their business dealings. And this is a type of discernment that God gives us, gives us the ability to exercise discernment, if, um, approving what is true and acceptable in his sight. Ephesians, or Philippians uh, 1.10, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense, till the day of Christ. That word sincere, I know you've heard this before, but let me just do it again. That's the Greek word sincere say, and it means without cracks. Once again, unscrupulous uh, potters would make their craft, their whatever it is, and if there, was there were cracks in it, they would fill the cracks with wax and repaint them and sell them. And so the buyer was wise to pick them up and look at them through the sunlight and if there, were, there was no light coming through, 
it was said to be sincere say, without cracks. It was whole, it was complete. And so that's the way that the Holy Spirit wants us to reason and understand that through scripture, the Holy Spirit gives us the criteria to discern accurately. It's very important. Um, you had this quote in your lesson. Uh, it's very good. Without absolutes revealed by God himself, we are left rudderless in a sea of conflicting ideas about matters, justice, right and wrong, issuing from the multitude of self-opinionated thinkers. <clears throat> and if you don't see it, look in our world today, politics today. Everybody's got their own opinion about things, <clears throat> and it's, it's not going to end well. We need to understand that God's word is not ambiguous. He will never leave you in the dark. God clearly tells us what is acceptable to him and what is not. In the Old Testament law, it's very clearly detailed and very difficult to observe. Um, and in the New Testament, it's the Holy Spirit's role to teach us, of, 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 along with the word of God, to help us discern clearly what God's will is about his word. And of course, the choice, the choice is ours. If we choose fleshly decisions, uh, then we're not going to please the Lord. The third point is the instruction of the Lord. And we've already talked about the light of his word. Um, there are, once again, three specific commands from God in Ephesians chapter five that will help us to walk with discernment. And so we need to observe these three things in closing. First, a separated stand, a separated stand. John first preached in Ephesus in his second missionary journey, and the city boasted of the magnificent temple for the goddess Diana. In fact, the temple of Diana, also known as the temple of Artemis, was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And as you can imagine, in that time period, it was a place of gross immorality and overt occult practices. And um, as I mentioned, it was one of uh, the seven wonders of the world. One person of that day wrote that it, it towered in the clouds. Uh, it was a great, magnificent temple made largely of marble. And uh, today there's just one pillar left and a sign, all right? And uh, uh, Ephesus is in present day Turkey right now. Um, but Paul taught the believers in Ephesus to separate themselves. And he proclaimed the gospel in Ephesus. And as people turned to Christ, he, they, uh, the new converts whose lives were transformed by the power of the gospel made a bold, bold step, you recall. Uh, they completely destroyed the tangible artifacts of their pagan worship. And in your, in your lesson, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. And Paul taught them, you can't straddle the fence. You can't be in light and you can't be in, in darkness at the same time. He challenged them to separate all that was impure and ungodly from their lives. And now, as we read earlier in our lesson, years later when he uh, pens the epistle to the, the uh, Ephesians, he challenges them uh, not only to separate themselves from the 
articles of unbelief, but to separate themselves from ungodliness completely. And this time, um, it was uh, uh, ungodly practices. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14, and have no fellowship with them uh, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Paul drew a line in the sand, said you cannot straddle it. Your children of light, walk in the light that Christ gives you. Don't dwell in the darkness. Have nothing to do with the unfruitful works of unrighteousness. And as I was reading that, I, I thought of Re Revelation chapter 2. Don't have time to turn there. Uh, but they are commended, once again, for separating themselves from the works of darkness. And one verse in particular, But uh, this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. They hated the things that God hated, and they were commended, uh, that church in Ephesus in the book of Revelation. And then we come to uh, this, uh, the second point here. It's a serious walk. Our walk with the Lord is serious. We've got to be serious in our walk. Verse 50, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the, day, the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That word circumspectly is very important. It means looking around carefully. It means being watchful and discreet, cautious, prudent, you're aware of your surroundings, and you're always being alert to what could be dangerous or harmful. And God warns us not to coast through life. That's not God's will for our lives, to just coast. He wants us to know the truth, apply the truth, and live the truth. And we are only on earth for a short time, and God wants our days filled with spirit-filled discernment. In fact, uh, that's our next point the Spirit-filled light. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. You can't lay this lesson aside without taking some action. You've got to determine in your life that God demands that I be filled with the Spirit. I have the responsibility to study, to discern truth, and to apply truth in my life, to set, settle things in my life that are forever settled and live for His glory. And so God desires us to walk with discernment. He provides resources to give us direction through the light of his presence, protection through his promptings, and instruction through his word. Avail yourself to those things today and glorify the Lord in your lives.